and welcome to the Rolling Mall Podcast. West Tigers fans podcast that is yet again without a game to review. It's a recurring theme of this season, really, isn't it, Elliot? Yeah, I mean, there is a Premiership Cup uh, action uh, in there, but it's not quite the same as a league one. No, exactly. Yeah, it's very fair to say. So we, we do sort of, I suppose, a bit of a half-assed review of a game. It's kind of hard to do when it's not televised. Try to make it a serious tournament, Premiership Rugby, and don't even put it on the box. But there we go. I'll stop moaning about that. Um, we've still got lots of shit to talk about. Got lots of stuff to look forward to. We've got London Irish uh, to look ahead to this weekend. We've also got a chat with Tigers lineout general himself, Callum Green. That is a lot of fun. He is a very, very lovely man. And um, yeah, I think we've done all right still without a Premiership game to review. What have you been up to, mate? Uh, so I was at the game. I was our roving reporter uh, down at... Uh, <laughs> our down mole at the in the hole. That's it, down at Stonex. Um, getting very cold, as always, when you go to the Stonex. I think you'd go there in the height of summer, and I still think it would be uh, freezing cold there. Um, quite, quite exposed, isn't it? Quite. Just a little bit. But no, weekend was good. So a bit of um, rugby uh, on the Saturday, a bit chilled out um, on the... Uh, on Sunday and Friday night, so uh, can't complain at all. How about you? Uh, yeah, nothing exciting, quite a nice, quiet one. But I think the main thing to take out of it is that as someone who usually detests reality shows, I'm ashamed to say uh, my wife has got me hooked on I'm a Celebrity uh, and I've been watching that, to be honest. Watch- your, team t- your team Tyndall? Oh, yeah, of course. No, he's doing really well, actually. He's, he's good. Basically, I quite like the way he goes in and just sort of like, if he's got a task and there's spiders, so he just kind of like slaps them out of the way and gets on with it, which is how I loudly tell my wife is how I deal with it. But actually, to be honest, if we saw snakes, I'd throw my own nan in the way of a snake um, to protect myself because I fucking hate them. So, I mean, that that is my weakness. And actually, the level of celebrity that there is there, I don't think that this podcast needs to get too much more popular before we can start putting our hat in the ring for selection for it. Well, for I'm a celeb. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, there were some people on there. I was like, who the fuck is that? Um, I mean, we've got to be fair. I mean, that's got to be in like the third or fourth book of like rejections before they get, get to our <laughs> names. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it's, it's nice just to get recognised at a Tigers game. Yeah. I mean, the, by the way, I must, I must point, this isn't us, me getting beyond my station and getting arrogant about our listener levels. It's purely about the fact that I don't recognise many of the names. It's just because I'm not very worldly anymore because I don't get to watch TV. That is all I am insinuating. Uh, I can see this coming back to me. If you were in the jungle, though, what would be your weakness? Oh, so there's so many to mention. It's it's it's. It, there's no point. All of them. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> Just mean, the humidity. No, yeah, well, the humidity would be fine. I'm not a big fan of heights, and I think the insects thing. I think would would uh, would be the one that gets me. Yeah, I think yeah. The eating challenges. Like I don't know. Like if if it's if it's like a really liquidy thing that I've got to drink and I can chill it quickly, that's fine. If it's like a dirty pint I had to do on my debut at my current club, where you have to sort of chew your way through half of this pint, uh, no, doesn't work. My gag reflex goes off straight away. It would be very messy. Anyway, um, as always, thank you very much for everyone for getting in touch uh, over the last week. A lovely review from Justin Pegg who says. Normally, uh, each Tuesday, I think that's probably a reference to the fact that we're often delayed until Wednesday these days. I look forward to my drive into work to listen to the first half of my weekly fix. This is a fabulous and engaging show that clearly kicks into touch all other rugby podcasts. Always do a tremendous job. Deserve a lot of credit for their time and effort putting all this together. I really like how we now touch on the women's game too for all things Tigers. Download now, he adds at the end of it, which is really good because it does sound like one of us wrote that. 
I don't, you didn't write it, did you? Not guilty. But no, it's a lovely review. Thank yeah. you very much, for Justin, for uh, for taking the time to do it. Much appreciated. Yeah. Cheers, Justin. And I do like the download now bit at the end. It's, it's very good. Um, and as always, we are taking on board feedback to try and make this show more engaging and try and add new features. We're going to trial something out, aren't we, Elliot? Which is where we're going to... Obviously, we do three-word reviews. We try and give people shout-outs. But we're going to trial, after the London Irish game, the idea that you can get your voice on the podcast. Now, this might this is subject to technological competence on my part so there's no guarantee this will work but um what we think would be a fun idea is most smartphones have a voice note facility is to record a voice note and then you can ping it over to us on email i think if we were on instagram or something you might be able to do it more quickly there but it's quite hard to extract the file from there blah 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 so it's easier to do it via email so if you've got something that you want to talk about or a question you want to ask and you want it aired on the podcast um what you do is record a voice note, not minutes and minutes long, sort of 20, 30 seconds max, and then ping it over to the rolling mall at outlet.com. And we'll pick a couple and we will try and include them in the podcast. If it's, if it's a success and it works and my computer doesn't set on fire, then we'll carry on running it. Sounds Sound good. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good. Yeah, very good. Right, so we're going to trial that. Um, let us know if you have any problems with it. Let us know if you think it's shit as well. But if you think it's good, then we'll carry on with it. And if it doesn't work, we'll just never speak of it again. How it works, isn't it? It's how all new things come into the world. Yeah, Trial exactly. and error. Exactly. Uh, anyway, uh, as always, if yeah, you do want to get in touch, you can get uh, find us on Twitter where, with the handle at RollingMallPod, or as I just mentioned, you can email us at the rolling mall at outlet.com before we crack on a quick thank you to our sponsors st martin's coffee roasters who are helping us put this all together st martin's coffee roasters are a small team of coffee professionals proudly born and bred in leicester family owned and operated they've been dedicated to perfecting the art of coffee roasting for the past 10 years solely focused on sourcing roasting and supplying some of the world's best specialty coffee to the customers across leicestershire and the uk they're passionate tigers fans and St. Martins have long-standing connections with the club and are proud to help caffeinate the players and staff in their efforts on and off the pitch. In an effort to help the fans wake up on match days, St. Martins Coffee Roasters are offering 20% off all coffee when listeners use the code ROLLINGBALL, that's all one word, on their website. So visit stmartinscoffee.co.uk to stock up on locally roasted specialty coffee and use the code ROLLINGBALL, all one word, to save 20% off your next purchase. Let's get stuck into some news, Elliot. Uh, I wish I had like the BBC news jingle because whilst the news is generally terrible, I have to admit a secret love of mine is the BBC news intro music. It's an absolute oh, right. banger. Absolute banger. And then we could go through each bit and then I can say the headline and then if you alter, can alternate going <laughs> between each bit. I mean, you're asking me to do something that's a bit more technical than my abilities can, okay, can we'll, offer. We'll, we'll leave it. We'll just do it in the normal way. And I'll see if I can download the BBC news soundtrack for next time. Uh, let's get into news. I think there's only one place to start, and that is Sir Kev himself, Super Kev, and his outstanding achievement of seven ultra marathons in seven days. Uh, and I believe he arrived arrived at the Rugby League World Cup final at Old Trafford, half-time, bang on schedule, raising money, for his best friend, Rob Burrow, and for the motor neuro disease community. And I believe that figure has today surpassed two million quid. What an astonishing achievement and what an astonishing bloke. Oh, it, it, 
so there's not enough words to describe how awesome it is because they don't do it justice you can just say it's awesome but it just feels that's that's a not strong enough word to describe the sort of achievement he's doing so this morning i said to said to my wife i i I wobbled around for a 5k and was patting myself on the back over the weekend and he's just got a banged out seven ultra marathons i'm gonna shut up forever about any physical exertion i've ever done well i literally described what he did to jen this morning and jen was like what the fuck i was like yeah i know she was like is it seven marathons i was like because i said it's 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 done his seven marathons and you softy and jen just went oh seven marathons but no ultra marathons like 40 miles a day and we're like what the fuck and that is the reaction of like how and to be honest like he just looks every time i see him it doesn't look like it's phased him at all like if i did a 5k i'd need like two weeks of lying down on the sofa <laughs> and then another two weeks moaning about it so it's like a four-week recovery yeah so i'm, just I'm big out. on the moaning and telling everyone about it as well the, the, the thing that gets me is a how he said it was the best week of his life because of how hard it pushed him, which just reminds me how fucking hard he is uh, and what an amazing presence he must be around the club to have. And just hearing him speak, it's not, you know, wonderful verses that he's giving off to people. It's very straight, simple points. But while he gets a message across and while he's inspirational, you know, I think I put on Twitter, you know, oh, which wall would you like me to run through, Mr. Sinfield, sir? And it's, he would generally get people doing that for him. And, I think, secondly, the big important point I want to raise, did you see on BBC News when they cut live to him running? <laughs> it was, let's go live to Kevin. We think we've got a camera on him now. Just as he turns to stop to find like a cheeky little alleyway to go and uh, uh, get his own uh, Yeah, have a quick waz. And uh, they cut back uh, quite awkwardly, which was quite funny. I, what I loved, of course, if you go onto the BBC News page when they put it up, there was, of course, all that saying, oh, public urination is a crime. Imagine being that person. Yeah, I mean, it's back middle of running seven ultra marathons, raising two million quid, and someone wants to say, "Someone nick him." Go, yeah. someone put the old, someone charge him. Where's, where's 50, the police arresting the real criminals like this man? Oh, that's, oh, oh wow, what it, it, an absolute throbber he was! But anyway, but what an absolute legend, um, uh, Kevin Sinfield is. I mean, look, if he isn't knighted, there's something seriously wrong. I mean, I'm lucky enough to know one of the team, um, but he was that was riding um, with him, Phil. And so I, on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, I've been seeing the photos of it. And they, they all look, look like they're having a great time of it, which is weird considering what an, an unbelievable, um, like tough challenge that they're doing. But you get the feeling like you've just said with Kev, it's just a, um, he's that type of bloke where you wouldn't think about what you're doing. You just go, oh, I was going to help Kev out. Do you know what I mean? It, it, I think he's got such a humble manner and humble way of doing things but you can't feel you just feel compelled to keep going with it and because of how awesome he is you just go well if he's going to do it i'll do it with you so i mean i mean this week in training i mean if anyone any of the tigers boys this week goes oh, don't, know, don't know about you lads i'm a bit bit tired after that session <laughs> do you know <what> i mean <laughs> you've got no chance of getting any sympathy there at all um anyway there is, of course, still time to donate. If you can, please uh, donate what you can. And uh, I'm sure I don't. I'm not going to bother saying the whole link on uh, on the podcast because you can just Google Kevin Simfield. Will uh, we tweet it? We tweeted well, it early on Friday night. Yeah, so we can exactly. do it again. We'll stick it up on Twitter. Just search for Kevin Simfield. You'll find the page. You, you're all smart people, I'm sure. Uh, let's move on to signing news and short-term signing. Um, Gabriel Ogre or Ogre, as you 
referred to him before we hit record. So you've just given him his new nickname? Shrek. Shrek. Okay, good. Um, signed from the club formerly known as Wasps, sadly. Uh, but he's on a short-term contract, six weeks. Um, hell of a player, though, to bring in on a short-term contract. Really fantastic, versatile, powerful player. He plays hooker very well. He also is not a bad open side. So you wonder what Steve's got planned for him. And interesting, the six-week contract as well. I mean, the, as always with, with signings, is to look at the reaction of um, the previous club. And a couple of comments uh, read along the lines of surprise he hadn't already got a club, which probably tells you uh, the sort of the talent um, that he is and how well he's regarded. So that's always a good sign in my book when that sort of comment is made. Um, my initial reaction when I saw it yesterday was that the six weeks thing is the, is the is the one that stood out because it's quite a strange um, length of time. So my immediate reaction is that I suspect we may be giving Montoya six weeks off, uh, which would make a lot of sense. Or, there's, or there's he, ridic- he's played rugby nonstop now for a year and a half. And you think, when else is he going to get a break? Because he'll be going straight into the World Cup afterwards. So the point is, do you have him now up until Christmas and then try and sort of shoehorn in so much time? Or do you say, right, first half of the season is going to, by necessity, be stop-start, but now we're going to have him for the entire second half of the season? We've said before, haven't we? we we've felt that it probably might be prudent to give both Jasper and Julian Sember off to get them rested, to have, like you say, that solid block of games up until the end of the season. And you have to remember that the run-in, as we've said before, especially now the fixtures have been redone, I think seven of the last nine league games were at um, Welford Road. So it is going to be important to have the likes of Jasper on, and Montoya on top, top physical um, performance. So it would make sense. So my initial reaction with either we're going to rest Montoya, which is what we've sort of said before, or there's an additional injury that we don't know about. Because we know that obviously Montoya's with um been away. Dolly's obviously injured, not sure when he's come back, and Joe Talfati is um sporting a cast on his wrist, which would explain um that. So maybe there's an additional injury. Either way, it's a it's a clever signing because talented player, talented um comes with well regarded and like you say covers two positions so in this reduced salary cap world that sort of thing is invaluable yeah cracking player really looking forward to seeing him go for tigers and i suppose next bit of news we've got is lesser tigers women as they absolutely demolished harrogate ladies 87 nil in the words of david brent that's a landslide and well i mean i don't know how much you can take from a game like that it, it, it looks to be a complete mismatch certainly on the scoreboard some of the people I've spoken to with us agreed it was, but the you know this train keeps on running, doesn't it? Yeah, and to be honest, you can only play what's in front of you. You can't, and it, it, to be honest, racking up the score like that is actually a good sign because it means that we were concentrated all the way through the game, and the girls never took their um, feet off the pedal um, and kept on doing all the right things which they've been taught. Um, I mean, there was two players getting hat-tricks. Katie Charles and Zoe Evans came away. Presumably, uh, both had to share the match ball. And, uh, well, uh, no, I, I think I think one of them got four, didn't she? I think Zoe Evans... Zoe Evans got no, four, no, I think. Yeah, Zoe Evans um, got four. And, yeah, Katie Charles uh, got a hat-trick. But then she kicked five conversions. Ooh. Yeah, I was about to say, that's what, that's what I mean. Who 
who claims yeah, that either way, it's a great performance by those two. Friend two backs pod, getting hat-tricks as well. Very concerning for a lesser Tigers club. Well, if it, make, if it makes you feel any better, friends of the pod, Georgia, uh, trotted over again for another Another, another try. try. It's doing very well. Only the one, though. A bit disappointing. Come on, Georgia. Well, I mean, at what point do try bonuses come into uh, into question here? Because we can we claim a cut? I mean, the, 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 that, that the might be too far. I mean, I'm all for claiming maximum credit, but I think asking for financial reward might be pushing it a little bit. But no, she's been uh, uh, absolutely outstanding. And it's just amazing to see them carry on. And like, this is an experienced team they've still beaten. Um, and it's fantastic as well to see um, Fuzz still going very well in the front row. Um, real fan favourite straight away, which is is really good to see. And also, just last point, is another um, shutout in defence. I mean, we all, as Georgia said a few weeks ago, they pride themselves on that. It's not yeah. just the points that they score. It's, the, point. um, it's the, the the shutouts that's the big thing um, for them. So I think all bar a couple of games have been shutouts. And it just shows you the, the, the effort and commitment that, that the girls are doing to uh, to do that. So it's all good signs. That is absolutely amazing, isn't it? They're having far more shutouts than points conceded absolutely incredible stuff um now let's go and move on to a quick bit uh of, of other news sort of more broader news obviously we had tigers involved in the internationals we'll come to that in a second world rugby released their highly contentious and subjective uh team of the year 2022 uh one former tiger in there ellis genge um so pour a bit of my beer out on the floor now one for my homies uh and freddie stewart at fullback uh, we always knew he was the best in the world in his position. Now it's official. Uh, it's it's funny that Capuozzo, um fantastic player, obviously for Italy, young fullback, got breakthrough of the year. It, it, Freddie's timing was slightly unfortunate because, in many ways, he could he could get that because he only made his breakthrough in the twenty one twenty two season. Really, you know, burst onto the international scene proper in the autumn. I know he had a couple of caps uh, in the sort of the Timpot games in the summer, but he had. You know, burst onto the scene properly in the autumn, and then you know carried on that form has got better and better and better. I thought he could be in with a shout of being in the breakthrough award. For some reason, they gave it to Henry Arundel, who had you know twenty minutes collectively of international rugby, as fantastic a talent as he is. But uh, I thought he would be in with a shout with that. Alas, no. But he is in the world team of the year. Um, it just keeps on getting better for him, doesn't it? It's a staggering rise, really, because like you say, fifteen months ago. He makes his debut for England in those summer internationals against USA and Canada. And then here we are 15 months later, cemented his place in the um, England team. I think his position is probably not up for debate now. I think you can, it's only debating if he, if you move to wing, just if you want to play a certain way. But yeah. if, you're, if you're picking a 15, he's a 15 shirt, 99 times out of 100. Um, he just looks so comfortable at that. If you talk about future Lions, his name is routinely the one that that that. Well, yeah, you, you look at the, the battle. Is going to. I mean, obviously Stuart Hogg's still played, but for me, he's not been in the form he he was in, say, like three years ago. He's not touched those peaks for a little while now. And I think the two outstanding few uh, fullbacks are Keenan and Stewart. And it, I define world class as maybe in the top three positions in your uh, in the world, basically. So Montoya is world class. Uh, and I would certainly say, obviously, Freddie Stewart is world-class. I think to have two world-class players playing for one club, particularly with a salary cap, is an outstanding achievement. And I think that before long, we'll see a few more um, sneak into that category as well. Well, to also just to throw it back, obviously, Genj last year, 
I would well, say Genji's Genji world class. He is world class. I think it's him by and perhaps one of the South African Lucys, um, Ox and Shea, um, perhaps, uh, who seem to be the outstanding loose heads. But again, very well deserved. Really happy for Genji, as you know, livid as I am that he's not with us anymore. But I think it shows the um, how important that new contract for Freddie uh, was. It looks even more of a great business decision. I don't know how much the new contract is worth, but it is worth it is worth its mounting gold and we probably Mm. undervalued because you know freddie is only getting better and better and better and to have got him signed up again you know for however long that time period is it is great to have that that security and that peace of mind that he stays with us and keeps his development going with us because like you say he is world class and we need to be competing at that top level like we want to be doing you need world-class players you know we you need that blend of you know youngsters good clubman but you also need a bit of magic and he's that x-factor and he's turning into like just an unbelievable x-factor player well that's it actually that, that brings us quite nicely onto i suppose tiger watch from the weekend and we've got obviously the big one was england against new zealand and to mixed fortunes it would be fair to say how the tiger's lads got along, uh, got along let's start with freddie though because it, it wasn't so long ago people were bemoaning his lack of top end pace He's still, let's be blunt, he's not the quickest guy around, but I don't think it's a problem. And his ability now to beat players uh, and his strength with strength of footwork is astonishing. In the build-up to his try, he steps inside Yuani, leaves him on the floor, and then just plows straight through Moana. Um, It's just such incredible strength and athleticism he's got. He was flawless in the air again. And then I don't know if it was his comms or Lenny's comms that spotted the two-on-one. Um but, I mean, he was, again, uh, England's best player on the pitch. I thought Marcus Smith, actually, to be fair, had a very good game in the second half. And Tom Curry, um, and actually Owen Farrell, I thought, all played very well um, as well. Uh, and I think on a rewatch, a lot of people said it was a dross 70 minutes. And I suspect what you mean, it was a very frustrating first, um, first 70 minutes. If you rewatch it, actually, they did a lot of good stuff. Unfortunately, everyone shat themselves when they get close to the line whilst the All Blacks were utterly clinical. We had more scoring opportunities than them and we should never have had to go to the well like we did. But Freddie Stewart was consistently excellent even when the rest of the team wasn't uh, clicking around him. Um, JVP, I, well, let's be blunt, he had, a, he had a bad game. And that said, some of the, the traditional reaction, English rugby Twitter's MO is... Demand young player get thrown into the deep end and play. Young player has bad game. Demand that he is removed from the team immediately. Step three, demand new young player thrown into the team. I just repeat the cycle, basically. It, this cutthroat, you're not going to get any improvement from players unless you back them. And JVP, uh, to steal a phrase from you, has looked the man of born an international test match animal. Uh, for the first five tests, he's been superb. Nothing short of excellent. And he had a bad game. I think the the, real, the one real howler for me, or the two real howlers, there was one box kick to nothing, which was uh, gave away uh, sort of some field position. Uh, and then I think off that line, that's obviously the intercept from Papaliti. You could tell he was actually, his brain was sort of telling his hands to not pass it. If you watch it in slow-mo, he actually slows his hands down because he sees Papaliti, but it's almost like it's too late. His hands are already going through the action. And he would have that ball back in a second. But, I mean, who hasn't thrown an intercept before? Um, and it, it's something he he would learn from. I hope, and I think he will. I think Jones will stick with him. Um, I suspect Lenny would probably start anyway against South Africa. I think that's probably the way that Jones would like to play. But 
I would very much have JVP involved in the squad and publicly back him as well. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think the um, I lean towards an expert on this and a previous guest on this podcast, Sam Harrison, whose knowledge of scrum half play is better than 99% of all opinions. All opinions on, on Twitter. Certainly it's better for, than mine, um, given how many play, games he's played there. Like he said, the actual only genuine error is the intercept. You know, because the ball out was a bad call by the referee. The referee then invents a knock-on that wasn't. Yeah, not only that, was the ball not out. But he also, instead of, like, Surveyor was shouting at the ref, and what you would usually get is the ref saying, ball out, ball out, and then that would make JVP rap. But he just stood with his arms in the air. He basically somehow resorted to sign language and expected players to react to it. Um, I thought he was maddeningly inconsistent with his communication, like you say. There are a couple of things that he got pinged for, which he was very unlucky to do so. I quite like Raynal as well as a referee, so it's a shame that it was a um, that he was involved in such bad decisions because it normally it's quite disappointing from mm. him because he normally I always think and his communication fan... I always find actually to be quite good, but for some reason he, he seemed to just at on occasion just revert to silence, which is never yeah. good. No, it's not good. Well, like Sam said, it, it's not good in the first ten minutes when. Fair enough, he throws the intercept. That's a genuine error. You then have a referee making two errors of his own, which paint you in a bad picture. It creates a pretty horrible cocktail and it creates the perception, not the reality, the perception that you are having an unbelievably stinky game. Actually, all that Jack did uh, was have had a poor game. These things happen. You're allowed at this level to have bad games. He wasn't the only one in the team to have oh, a bad no. game. I mean, if you're talking about costly, uh, Billy Vanapola, for me, had a dire game. The penalties he gave away um, were just as costly as as JVP's error. So it's uh, and yeah, JVP exactly. had a stinker for Tigers on his debut. So things have turned out all right for him since then. You know he had a tough day day away at um, Sale on his uh, debut. I think he had if not one two um, box kicks charged down, which yep. led to to tries. He did all right after that. Let's be honest. That's three four years ago. You look at what he's done since. So. He wasn't protected by his teammates. Other people also had bad games. Hmm. Like you've just said, we've we've seen tweet after tweet after tweet bemoaning Ben Young's being picked and that a young nine should be picked. A young nine is picked. And guess what? Ben Young's is suddenly the Messiah and walks on water. <laughs> well, let's, you let's, know, it, I mean... reads, it, it tells a story here, but perhaps maybe we should all a come off to think a little bit more before we tweet. And secondly, maybe it shows that actually the original abuse and misreading of uh, of Ben Young's was actually well off the mark originally. Well, that's it. I mean, let's move on to Lenny then very quickly. Uh, just as a parting point, say JVP, fantastic player. He is the character that will bounce back from it and actually will be itching to get back in South Africa. Uh, he'll be fantastic. He's a wonderful player. So just want to echo our support from there after just one rough game. But Lenny off the bench, it does reinforce the theory I've got that it is so easy for a nine coming off the bench to look good than it is for the nine that starts but anyway Lenny came on his decision making was bang on point his communication was good the only, the only thing that was wrong was the kick to nobody over his shoulder I think he assumed or maybe he thought he heard a call that someone was running down that blind channel because it was a lovely kick if there was someone chasing it it was just no, <laughs> no one, one did <laughs> no one there exactly so I assume that he must have misheard or misthought that someone was there but you know his his work particularly in sort of setting up Stuart for third, um, England's third try and Stuart, our Stuart for uh, uh, England's second, was absolutely top drawer. And 
Uh, another guy who impressed off the bench, I thought, was Guy Porter, Charlie Morgan, in a fantastic piece about his work rate. Where he, Guy was, sim- you know, obviously we love Guy on this podcast. We make no secrets about it, but he seemed to be simultaneously playing left and right wing when he came on. Um, I felt, you know, he had more impact than Chuck Knoll did in the previous seventy minutes when he came on. He he took a couple of passes, nice giving goes, uh, and then his support work after he passed to Mayer one side. He wraps all the way around to support Stewart, makes a vital clear out, and then provides the extra man for the two on one. Well, we said last week that he, you know, I, you gave me a little bit of abuse for calling him the, the backs version of Lewis Deacon. But the, um, you know, what the, the serious point was, he does all of that hard work, which you don't notice. The only people that would notice would be those the analysts, the analysts, and the uh, the guys in camp will go, will highlight this sort of stuff. But you can understand why he's a coach's dream, both at Leicester and at England, because he does all of that hard work that some people don't want to do. He does it silently, gets his head down and does it, and he's a key part and he's a key cog in the wheel. And it's part of what makes a team a team is you get have people involved who do the hand, get their hands dirty, do the hard work, and just muck in. They're not superstars, but they get things done. Let's very quickly wrap up with the other two guys who are playing. want to talk about... Uh, yes. <laughs> we'll start with Jasper Visa. It's quite funny when he's South African commentary on him now. They just see him as what he is. Before he was like this explosive loose cannon. He is still powerful, but he's so well marked now. It's his work rate that sets him apart. It's carry after carry after carry. Uh, and it's just so impressive seeing him do that for 80. I hope he does get a well-end rest. He was excellent against Italy. Uh, and Montoya. Oh, my goodness. Chat of the year. Um, definitely goes to Julian. The Emperor has spoken if you haven't seen it, just go onto social medias and search for Julian Montoya against Scotland. Obviously, it wasn't the best day for Argentina because of Kramer's um, brain fart where he got red card for clearing out someone. They were down to 14. They're always on a losing cause. But it was the first one was Van der Merwe was getting a telling off from the referee and didn't seem to be listening. And so Julian pipes up and says, oh, do you want me to tell him in Afrikaans? And... Um, that that wound up Richie a little bit and round up um, uh, Van der Merwe. And then the next one was, I think, Julian had been told off for a, a little bit of a scrap and Richie said, set an example, big man. And then lo and behold, two phases later, Richie got Sinbin for being involved in a scrap and Julian was there said, yeah, so set an example, it's the first thing of note you've done all day. And then clapped him off the pitch. <laughs> I didn't realise that Montoya was turning his hand to stand-up, stand-up he's, he's, comedy. He's now, so hearing him speak when he first came here, he could barely string three words together. And now he's dishing, giving it the big one on the pitch. Absolutely love it. No, it's great. I loved it. And the thing is with Julian, he backs it up with, with his own good play. So, uh, no, I, I watch out Premiership because if he's got if, if he's added chat to his game, forget his throwing, forget his carrying and his breakdown work. He's added chat to his game. Watch out. We're going to chat you to, to we're going to chat ourselves to Premiership glory. Yeah, you know, get chatted to death in the front row. Well, imagine Kai, you Coley likes a little bit of a word as well. If 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 Genji was still here, that would be a very chatty front row. Uh, Maybe mind. that's what happened. Genji said to Julian, "Say it's a parting gift. It's a parting of a baton. Just going. I'm going, Julian, my boy. You've got to lead the chat because <laughs> Coley ain't going to do it. Coley ain't going to lead the chat. He's a he's a more he's off more one liners than yeah. He just likes to moan to the ref, doesn't he? Yeah, the sheriff ain't going to do it. So uh, up to you, Julian. It's all right, boss. I'll do it. Of course, there was a game 
over the weekend for the Tigers med side. It was in the Premiership Rugby Cup, bit of a dead rubber, no side get through. And of course, it's not televised, despite it being on at one o'clock. So it's not so much I can say about it. But Elliot, you were there, 45-8. And we'll get to the selection in a minute. It's an interesting selection by Tigers, a reasonably strong one for the Premiership Cup. Still young, still some guys who need game time. And we should probably point out that it was against a very useful Saracen side by comparison. Uh, But still, it sounded like an effective performance, an exciting performance. And how was the day out? You've been telling me that you think that the ground is a bit less sterile now. No, I I have to say it's a good day out. It was enjoyed, obviously, because of the wind. But in terms of the journey down, it's very straightforward. Parked up at Mill Hill East and then um, getting the bus in. With that new stand, I have to say it feels more like a rugby ground now and it feels a nice place to go and watch the rugby if it if you put in um a, a standard pitch rather than the plastic one i think you'd you'd come away going this is a really good place to go rugby i think the plastic pitch does put a lot of people off and it does make it uh, a little bit hard work and it does bring it down a little bit but you know if they if they put some new stands in i don't know how much they can do because obviously it is ex-athletics and I presume it is still used for, for community stuff as well but if they can put in two proper stands at the, at the ends you've got a serious place to, to watch the rugby but it is no it is I enjoyed the day um, I think it always helps when you win uh, in terms of the rugby it was a a pleasing run out for Tigers I think they it's hard to take too much away from it given the opposition that Sarri's picked and it was a very youthful side at one point toward, I think the last 20 minutes it pretty much looked it's like Sarri's academy team, let alone the development team. Um, I think there was only Andrew well, Kitchener of any yeah. senior note um, that started the game, and he uh, went Tom, off Tom injured. Tom Howe, I think, is um, CX Worcester as well. Yeah, winger yes. as well. He's he's a decent player. There, there, well, there were some some guys, obviously, who um, and Christian Judge, uh, Ethan Lewis, I recognise as well. So I think that there were some guys there who um, obviously are. Um, players of note, but there's no doubt that we had more experience backed into our team. Just, I, it, it was quite interesting to see, I suppose, senior members. So we had Phil Thock and a singer, obviously Sam Mackey often plays in these to get some game time. Charlie Atkinson was the big one at 10 for me. Uh, James Whitcomb at Loosehead. And then we had the second row in particular was quite well stacked with Cam Henderson and Eli Stamen. And uh, then we had Sean Jansen as well um, at number eight and Skipper. Um so I thought it was quite an interesting one because you obviously saw guys, the usual young guys like Woodward and Edwards and uh, and then also Ilione and Manns sort of sprinkled among there. But it was a nice balance of guys needing to prove themselves, needing game time. And uh, it, it looked like there were some nice bits of play. What stood out for you? I think the, um, the selection was actually quite a balanced selection for Tigers in terms of, like you say, cutting the difference between young players and some first-team players wanting to get some action. And to be fair to Tigers, the headlines always go, oh, you've over, you've stacked your lineup." You know, the, the, the I use it in 30 comments, the first-team has picked. I know it's very much on the fringes of the first-team side here. These are guys who haven't sealed the deal at first-team level. They are very much third-choice um, players needing a bit of a run-out. And in the likes of Cam Henderson, he's a young guy himself. He's only 21, 22. And, um, still making his way in the game anyway. I think what was pleasing about Tigers is how they worked Saris over and they stuck to their game plan and how their patience shone off. What was disappointing in the first half an hour is the 
we just never imposed ourselves physically on the game. And I suspect for, and it was quite a scrappy game. And I suspect the reason for that is mainly because it, it ended up being a, a bit of a box kick fest. And we've said before that both of us have, have always stuck up for Tigers on our kicking strategy. And we've always said, look, it, we win. That's the main thing. It's important and it works, you know, and we've always stuck up for it. There is a, there is a, I can understand the thought process or the argument that potentially we lean too much to to kicking because, you know, if you look at the, the lineups, the first thing you'd go is, well, you've got the edge on them physically. Use that. And by kicking the ball in, having the ball in the air for so long, you lose that advantage. You just, it, it neutralises yourself um, in a way. What became apparent is that we, when we started going through the phases and Cam Henderson's try is a lovely example of this, where actually we started going through the phases with the forwards, some really good carries, one-off runners hitting the line at pace, a couple of nice tip-ons, balls out the back to try and stretch. That, that's round. when we look really good, I think. It's when we have like a, a pair of forwards running and the option of the tip-out or the, the pull-out the back. And particularly when we get that forwards' hands moving, it, it, we never look particularly exciting when it's just one bloke running in. But when you've got those options there, it's quite nice. It is. And the Cam Henderson's try, they don't actually show the full build-up to it, but it was two no. bits of good play. Um, but the, the, the break which you do see on the highlights is Whitcomb to Tom Cowan Dickey with a nice tip on. It's a powerful carry by Whitcomb into Tom Cowan Dickey, who makes a, a half break, who then tips it through into um, Cam Henderson, who makes a bullocking run for the line. And there was no stopping him from from that. He got to five, ten meters out, and he just the, the kept bits on I going. saw. He looked really good. His leg driving contact looked really good. Really good to see him carry on that recovery. Yeah, I've, for me, Henderson was one of the star star players on there, and I think and it is that disappointing thing where we where we, I do think they might have to review how much we kick because once we stopped kicking as much and we had a better balance to our kicking game we started to turn the screw a little bit and that physicality started coming through. Um, you know, Ilioni, I thought was really strong, both in his carrying and his defensive work at the breakdown. Exactly what he's there for. Um, Whitcomb, again, I'd say, I thought Whitcomb had a good game in terms of his, not just his carrying, but his his general work rate and his, his offloading stuff when he got that going. Cam Henderson was really good. Snayman in defence used his physicality and his seniority and that was good. Sean Janssen, I thought him, he put himself forward really well in terms Big of... Big game. Yeah, really. Some good of those work. bustling carries, they're very Jasper esque, you know, just making hard meters, usually bumping off one guy and forcing another defender to come in. Absolutely. And it, I, what I was really impressed with him is for his first try, is his control of the ball from the eight position because it wasn't an easy scrum in terms of the ball's bouncing around quite a little bit. And he, he got his feet in the right position to hold the ball in, hold the ball in. When the time was right, he picked and went and got himself over the line. So that was really good. I think the, the, the halfbacks. Edwards and Atkinson were really impressive. And I yeah, Atkinson... I wanted to talk to you, obviously, about um, Atkinson, first start at 10. Let's do uh, it. And uh, again, your favourite phrase to the man of born. Um, he's looking good, isn't he? Really liked his control, um, both in his kicking and his passing. And just management of the game, I felt really secure with him there. He's got a lovely left peg. And he has a nice variety to his kicks. We spoke, we've spoken before about uh, when we've spoken about kicking it's not just the kicking itself it's the variety of the kicks what I like about him he has that ability to turn a defence whether it's just with a, a simple chip over the top and sending 12 and 13 through a nice couple of grubbers to pin someone back identifying the space in the, in the backfield and, and and 
not just seeing it, but to put the ball there as well, which I think is really good. Nice variety in his passing. I think he looks a really good all-rounded player. And again, we caveat it with the opposition. But I would have no issues if he starts at 10 in a, in a first-team game. I think he's got a really nice all-round package. I think he looks ready to ready to go. Just looked a class above on the field, which sometimes you do get in these um, Prem Cup games. I'm glad he played because I think we needed to see him at 10. The previous two performances were at 15, so we needed some game time at 10. And I think he's put his hands up in a big way to, to, to do that. He strikes me as one of those guys, and it's always a bit of a cliche, who has time on the ball. Yeah. He gets it. He doesn't look flustered, even when there's a press. He knows what he's doing. He's reading the game. And, you know, guys like that are worth their weight in gold. It's not like, you know, if ever I have to play 10 and there's a rush defense, I'll just shovel it onto the nearest way, or more likely just you know, bend over and take contact, which is always uh, my safe option. Um, Phil Thocken, a singer at 13. I'm still not sure about where his best position is. Obviously, he. He seemed to be more of a 12 when we signed him. Um, how did he look at 13? I think he looked, I think he is a 13. If I was to make a call on him, I would say 13 would suit him better. Very quick, got good hands, decent step. Busy, really busy. A um, couple of nice interchanges with Atkinson and Sal Mackey. I think he, another one that did what he needed to do and to say, actually, you know, there's a case for getting further minutes. And I, it, he's one of those where, in his development, he's still a young guy. He's done his development some good from his performance. So signing off on it, give me three names from that performance who you think now will be not even knocking on the door, hammering on the door, posting shit through Steve's letterbox to to get selected on that, in that first team squad now. Probably I actually think, don't don't post shit through his letterbox. That's not very impressive. But do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Whitcomb, I think, is ready to go. I think Whitcomb... And I think actually, I'll be blunt again. If we compare to Plum Fake, I've said before, he's. I'm not sure what the. I'm not sure that I see a step up from, you know, from Wickham to Van Fake. I see them both being probably at a similar level, but Wickham obviously has got the future development on his I side. Agreed. I agree totally with that. That's exactly the my thought process. So I put Wickham in there. I think Ilioni, um, yeah. of the young guy. Oh, how, how do I word it? So. I think Henderson's put his name up, Whitcomb's put his hand up, and Janssen. So of those fringe first-team players, Whitcomb, Janssen, Henderson, have massively put their hands up to say, we should be getting on the bench and we should be getting some game time Mm. um, off that. Of the younger guys, I think you're looking at Ilione, Edwards. I don't call Atkinson in there, but Atkinson's massively put his hand up. But he's, isn't he like the same age as well as like Yeah, I think you've got to include. I, I think Atkinson's in that first group. So that Adam, as I think, it's the fourth one on there. He's ready to go, ready to play. Uh, I think of the young guys, three, but I'll let it go. Well, you, it's not my fault. Tiger's got so many quality youngsters. <laughs> of the genuine youngsters, Ilione Edwards, and I'll throw in Lewis Chesham here because he only came off the bench, but he stole two. Ah, oh, unbelievable! Two or three lineouts where he just literally just leans across. Knocks him back over to it. He's got such long levers. Literally, the ball goes up. If you get, if he's got half a yard or he's level, he could, he maybe be able to get it if he's half a yard behind his opposition. Because he's got such long arms, he just can just lean over and just pop it back. It's really impressive work. Well, go, go, gadget. All Tigers really did by putting pressure on the, the thrower was by throwing Lewis Chesham up. And they weren't bad throws. Sometimes in these things, you go, oh, the call is off, the throw is bad. They were none of those things. 
they just they just gambled on where they thought the call would be, lobbed Chesham up, and he just leant across and patted so, it Sometimes back. Robbie doesn't change from school level, to be honest. So that is like throw throw the tall guy up in the air and, and then, uh, and then watch Havoc, Havoc. Yeah, watch Havoc ensue. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I think those guys, I think I think that's the seven I've mentioned now, I think in di- in different ways. I think the first four are ready to go at first team level. I think those three, if you were to ask me to limit it to three, off of development three, I think those three would justify some game time, whether it's off a bench or otherwise. As I mentioned before, we're joined by the returning hero himself, Callum McGree's second stint at Tigers. Mr. Green, how are you, sir? Very good, yeah. Just uh, finished finished the day's training, so just doing a bit of media and got a bit of food, so that's it. Do we count as media? You do, yeah. You've made it. Min. <laughs> that's a promotion. That's yeah, a exactly. <laughs> You've made just, it. You've made it a big time. Yeah, just just Nor's fans, I thought we were before, but I'll, I'll take media any day of the week. Um, they, um, firstly, it's, uh, on a personal note, it's, it's wicked to see you back in a Leicester shirt. Elliot and I were chatting before when um, Bondi let us know we were going to talk to you. We were saying we had loads of good memories of you when you first started out at Tigers. We'll come to it later, but your games are like I think you know the South Africa game and and all that sort of era around it was was pretty nuts. And it was brilliant to see you come back. But um, I suppose at the moment, the last game out, we've had this batshit crazy season where you have four weeks without a competitive game. You yeah. play Bath, which must be we'll come to that in a sec. It must be one of the most frustrating games of the season. And then you don't have that match the next week to sort of bounce back and get back into it. Um, how annoying has it been as a player, the, the way the season's fallen? Yeah, like you said, it's been a bit frustrating because I think last year we kind of, we managed to get onto that role and then you sort of, one week feeds into the next. Whereas this year it's been a bit like you say, you play two games, you got a week's break, then you got a game and four weeks break. So. Yeah, it's been a little bit stop-start. Um, you know, it's it's sort of good if we, if we sort of go three or four games on the bounce, then you have a week off, but just to get that bit of recovery. But yeah, this this year has been a bit different. So uh, it's been all right. We just had to uh, adapt and and train and all the rest of it. So Steve's pretty good at managing like our our load and stuff like that. So you know, I think we've got good people in charge who look after us. But yeah, from a playing point of view, you just want to get on with it. Looking back to uh, last Friday night against Bath, how has the mood in the camp been since since that game? Has the mood recovered and got it out of your system? Yeah, it's frustrating because obviously we uh, we're in the lead and it would have been a good one to win, but like you know, to lose in the last minute isn't isn't great, is it? Um, so yeah, we were frustrated, annoyed, but it's just one of them things where you just have to get on with it and. It would have been good if we had a, a, another Premiership game the week after to try and right the wrongs, but you know we just have to make sure that this weekend's London Irish we uh, we come out and we uh, we put things right, you know. Because it's never it's never nice when you when you lose games, especially ones that you feel that you should have won. I mean, it's always easy to say from the stands. Unfortunately, it's probably my fault. My record at the wreck is abysmal because I live near Bath now, and I went to the game and. The last one I went to was one where we got smashed forty-five nil, and I went to this one. And that first half, all over them, and uh, yeah. you know, sort of it, it gradually 
sort of crept back. And as you say, the last minute try was just an absolute kicker. And then I had sort of lots of really posh Bath fans behind me seeing Sweet Caroline. And it was like the next level of hell that I was in. But it must have been how obviously really frustrating for you guys on the pitch as well, seeing the game sort of just slip away. But what are the main takeaways from that from you guys and what have been the work-ons? Like I say, I think first half we were probably dominant and then in control, so turn that into points. Um, I think we probably should have went up, went into the half time more like more points up, and then just at the end they're closing the game out. Um, I think we probably gave away a few pens in that second half, which led them into our R twenty two, and then if you let a team into the R twenty two sort of last couple of minutes of the game, then anything can happen and, and obviously that that did so yeah i think just taking opportunities in the first half and then closing out in the second half not giving away the, the stupid pens because some of them were pretty you know pretty dumb pens to give away looking ahead to this weekend and like you say it's a chance to get back into league action and get yourself back in, in back into the mix of it looking ahead to irish at the weekend what sort of challenge are you expecting from from them they've had a an up and down season them, themselves yeah, they are, but they're you know they are a very good team, and I think the last few games they've they've been very very close games, very tight. So you know we're not going to take them lightly at all. We want to you know after the Bath game and and that we want to obviously go out and make sure we get a win and put out a good performance. So we're uh, taking it very seriously, and we want to make sure that we we get back to winning ways. Um, with London Irish, they're. Um... Obviously, they've got a particular way of playing, which is a little bit more sort of chuck it about, I suppose, yeah. than other teams are. Does that make them harder to prepare for in a system, or is it just our untrained eyes that makes it look like they're a bit more fast and loose, or, or, or do they still play within an unidentifiable system that you can then prepare for, um, or, or Kev gets you g'd up for? No, you're right. Like they do, they do like to play a bit and. Uh... You're a bit like when you're, you're playing against Quinns, they're, they're another team who likes to obviously throw it around and whatnot. So we sort of identified a few things that they do, and you know we're we're, we're we know what they're going they're going to do and what we have to do in defence, but also like we have to concentrate on our own game and make sure that like as a forward pack we uh, we deliver a scrum more. You know we've got to be physical, all the rest of it to to stop them from from being able to play around and the ball around do you know what I mean Steve Borthwick labels you as a bit of a, a line out noise which coming from Steve Borthwick is uh, actually like borderline frightening if he labels somebody else a bit of a line out noise so your role in the side and you're you know senior guy now um what, what's it like managing the line out as a process is it, is it all on you do you sort of sit down and say boys these are the calls this is what we're doing learn them or is it more of a like a collective process between um all the bean poles in the in the pack no, it's collective. Um, you know, Steve's very good. He sort of so whoever we're playing that weekend, he'll obviously be looking ahead. We're just focusing on the game that we're playing. He he's the one who's going to look ahead at whoever we're playing next, um, and then he'll send us all the information like after the game, and then like me, Wellesley, Hammer will look at it, and then we'll kind of we'll meet early on the first day of training. And then all get together and kind of throw in ideas and what we what we think are good calls and all the rest of it. Then we'll meet with Steve and then finalize like a like a lineup sheet for the week. Um, but it's all like everyone's in and 
as even like the younger guys, you know, Cam Henderson, uh, Ollie Chesham, um, everyone's in there, George Martin. So it's kind of like a collective. And I suppose I just kind of, um, I don't know, really like chair the meetings, if you know what I mean. I just sort of get a few things off Steve and then kind of ask the questions that Steve wants to know, then report back to Steve. So I'm probably a bit of a middleman, really, between Steve and the rest. <laughs> Middle management. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I suppose. So. <laughs> we'll get you a clipboard. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> much uh, in the game, then, I, I suppose your main role as line-out skipper is then is you've obviously got your set plans and targets, etc. But you'll be sort of the one getting a feel for it in the game, particularly after sort of you, perhaps you see how they're marking up, etc. And um, I'm a bit of an American football nerd as well. They always have audibles and plays where you can call the player. Then if you see something different, the defense, they, they arrange it. Do you, do you have something similar in the lineup where you'll call it and then they'll mark up and you'll be like, mm, hang on, we, you've got like a, a backup thing you can shout. Yeah. We've got, we've got like checkouts and backups and all the rest of it. So we'll go in with kind of an idea of how they're going to defend and we'll have like a couple of options. Um, but if we recognize that they're, they're a bit different to what we thought, then we've got ability to kind of check out and go to different options. So, um, see, Elliot, I told you it was different from just front, middle, and back. <laughs> F one, M one, M three. Just it's moved on a little bit. When I, when I first started <laughs> playing, it was a bit like that, but it's kind of it's got a bit more kind of complex than that. So, most complicated lineup routines I've ever been in is just just the old the old front step and then two back with a mob ball <laughs> yeah and, and and basically and basically when we did that uh, like when i was at under 16s i thought Fuck me this is pretty intense stuff <laughs> you thought uh, you cracked it <laughs> yeah i said yeah okay, yeah yeah completed it mate line out <laughs> amazing i remember i remember like when i was young like the hooker used to call it before yeah. you throw it in it's just like yeah, it's crazy, really. Speaking yeah. of hookers, then so that always sounds like a very dangerous segue when you start off like that. But when with lineouts, sorry, and I've probably hugged a, lot, a couple of questions on lineout here. But the when lineouts go wrong, this is your chance actually to throw sort of the number two whoever's playing number two under the bus. That it's always usually the hookers that get the can in the papers and in the media for the darts. But do you want to give everyone just? How much? How many moving parts there are in a lineout? So if something doesn't quite go to plan, what it could be down to, um, or you could just say it's just it's just Julian just undercooking it again. Nah, yes, yeah, it's hookers. It's <laughs> <laughs> Never the caller's fault. No, like obviously we're going with uh, we're going with you know our plan, a couple of calls, and then the caller will normally sort of come in sort of a little bit uh, a few steps behind everyone else. Just to so he gets that view of the whole line out, and then we'll make the call. Um, obviously, like you said, there's moving parts. So it's got the hookers throw. There's the front lift, the back lift, the jump. Um, if there's any kind of dummy or movement, then how well the dummies are to try and pull them forward to win space, like to create space in behind. Um, so there's loads of different things that can can happen. But like you say, normally on the t- TV, like the hooker will just get. We'll get a bollock in like if it's if you don't win the ball though they just go straight to the hooker so um happy days yeah basically it's <laughs> quite nice yeah but obviously when you come into training you know steve and that will know who's made a mistake or who's got it wrong so there's no hiding place really um yeah just blaming a hooker don't wash with steve i can imagine yeah so yeah you just have to kind of 
put your hand up and obviously say, yeah, that was my my fault or whatever. But yeah, a lot of the time I think it's it's like hooker, it's like a combination of hooker, bad drill, bad call. Do you know what I mean? So them sort of three things could be any one of them three things. Last question on the lineups because before we uh, before you get bored by uh, like, unless you enjoy lineup chat, it could be your favourite chat of the uh, of the week. <laughs> one of the things that me and Mike have been sort of always wondered is obviously if this is your second stint at Tigers, are the calls exactly the same as when you were here first time round? It's just got a different name on it, or do, is it genuinely a different play each summer um, where you just come in, start a pre season, and go right, forget what you've known, we're going to do something different now. Um, I think like the mo- most clubs probably do like similar things, really. Do you know what I mean? Um, they're just the wording and the letters or the numbers, whatever they use, is, is different. Um, but the actual like a lot of the the moves and stuff like that are pretty similar, you know. So you got bumps, you got things where the front lifter will come, bump out, and then you go forward. So it's all fairly similar. It's just kind of understanding the terminology and. And all the rest of it, that's a hard thing when you move clubs. Um, but no, the lineups have changed since I left and uh, come back. Um, and then when Steve came in, we kind of he kind of kept like the word in the same, but we kind of changed our philosophy, I suppose, or you know, our kind of our key points that we wanted to ensure that we were in the ball. Um but yeah, like I think. Like I said, most of the, even when I was at Newcastle, like we do things now that I used to do at Newcastle. Um, so I think it's just kind of once you learn it, once you know the calls and all the rest of it, the, the numbers or whatever it is, then it's pretty easy to pick up. Yeah, I think it's slightly different from sort of amateur Pisporian level, where if somebody came across from another club, you, you all of a sudden knew their entire line out code book. Uh, it, was, it might change, I suspect, season to season because of that. Um, you're now sort of one of the, the more senior statesmen sort of in the team. Um, and you've got a wealth of experience behind you, but there's also, you're in a position where there's a hell of a lot of young lads um, coming up and coming through. You've obviously got Cam Henderson, who you've named drop, Ollie Chesserman and his uh, brother, Lewis, yeah. of the, uh, the Boston Spy, or well, I think the Boston Spy is called um, Stump. We're trying to get him nicknamed Stumpy uh, because, um. because, yeah, Stump. Um, so, and you've got Stump there as well. So you've got three guys that young guys coming through at the moment there in particular. What's it like, sort of being a mentor to them, and what's it like having that more senior role in the side when, obviously, before you were very much, um, you know, a young gun coming through. It's different, like because obviously. <clears throat> It's like it kind of seemed to have changed pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Like one minute you're you're a young lad and you haven't really got much responsibility or anything like that. The next thing you know, you're you're one of the older ones and boys are looking up to you to kind of lead the way a little bit. So but no, I enjoy it. Like they're they're good lads. Um they come in, they want to work, like you've seen the improvement of say Ollie Chesham, like when he came over from uh, Nottingham. The way he is now is just amazing. It's down to him because he works incredibly hard, and and all the boys like that. Cam Henderson works hard, and you know Stump, as you as you mentioned, um, they got a great attitude. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> they have got great attitudes, and they listen. And obviously, they got great coach and Steve. You know, you wouldn't want anyone else in the world really to to learn from and all that sort of. So, no, they're, they're brilliant. Um, 
I enjoy working with them and you know I th- hopefully they listen to some of the things I say like I don't know I don't know if they listen to everything but uh I'd like to think that I've sort of helped them a little bit and yeah it's good like obviously we've got Harry Wells Eli Snayman here as well so we've got I think we've got a good sort of crop of, of second rows um they've just worked incredibly hard and probably not the flashiest of, of players but I don't think that's really what Leicester Tigers is about isn't it like the second rows it's all about working hard and doing what you need to do for the team really so yeah I don't expect any Tigers second row to turn up with like multicolored boots or anything like that there's none of that really any any, any thoughts on getting cornrows or something like that <laughs> no short back and sides please yeah I think oh uh, yeah I, I, I can't do anything else really well I think Wells he's got a bit of a He's got mullet, isn't he? I think. Yeah, right. that must be frowned upon. Yeah, well, as well as in it, like you say, it's, <laughs> he, do, he does what he wants. Yeah, he's a bit of his own creature, really. So, <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, it's good. Like the two, the two gingers as well, Chezzers, like the two redheads. It's about exciting as it gets, really, as in the second row department. <laughs> As I say, what are the messages that you're imparting on those young boys? Is there anything in particular that you focus on, or is it just just general here and there sort of chat? I think from like a lineup perspective, like it's like trying to help them out with the calling process because I think that's something that does take a little bit of time, and you need to have a bit of experience, what to look for, and, and things like that. So just helping them with that, and then just general play. I think it's. You know, it's pretty nuts and bolts, like ball carry, physical physicality, tackling. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've passed so many, you know, marvelous bits of wisdom. It's just, it's just the basics, really. Um, and I just sort of repeat what Steve says, really. Like, obviously, if Steve says it, then I, I take it as good enough. So, just yeah. have that. Yeah, work ethic, I suppose, as well, is is, is obviously the big yeah. thing. And, it, and it's sort of an example as opposed to yeah. words. But um Which I think is like a big thing because yeah. you know, when 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 a younger guy comes in, then they might not be talented, but if they don't work hard, if they've never sort of there's never been an environment where you just work, you know, to absolute maximum, then you you never know. So it's when when they see other people do that, then that's a bit of an eye-opener to a lot of people. Um, so I think that, you know, that's a that's a good skill to learn, really. It doesn't require any talent or anything like that, but it's it's something that you need to sort of see and then go, oh, right, yeah, that's what I need to do, and then you take that on board. That's the non-negotiable. You can build yeah. talent up on top of it. Yeah. Um, so as we said, it's your second stint at Tigers, and your first was back uh, playing in one of, one of the, my favourite kits of the last decade, actually. I remember we were playing against um, one of the most memorable nights of that was playing against South Africa, England, obviously playing on Saturday. Um, what was that like as a night for you as a young player? Because it was a pretty raucous occasion and it was some of the best atmosphere I remember at Welford Road and obviously it ended up being quite a momentous result. Um, what was that like to play in as a, as a young lad? Yeah, it was incredible. Like, I think the, the the new stand, the big stand, I think it was Caterpillar at the time. I don't know what it is now. Is it Yodel? Oh, shit. Um, Bondo is going to bollock us. We've got it. It's like Mattioli Woods, Welford Road. There we go. We've said it now, yeah. so we're fine. Oh, yeah. the, 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 big, so the, the big stand. The big stand, yeah. I think that was that's pretty new. Um, but when we ran out, obviously, that was like filled to brim. 
like brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. Um, and then I'm pretty sure they scored fairly early. South Africa did. Yeah. And we're up the sticks and we're thinking, Christ, that this could be a bit of hammering because we had pretty much like a like a, a third team, really. Like it was sort of a blend of young lads, maybe played, didn't really play that much. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit like, right, we might be in for a bit of hammering. But then we just, we just worked incredibly hard and, you know, it wasn't really a glamorous game, I think, for us. Like, I think boys hit loads of rucks, just made tackles, and then we end up winning. And it was just, like you say, it was a brilliant atmosphere. I don't think I've ever played in a game like it since, like in terms of atmosphere and all the rest of it. Like, it was just a, a real special game. And I can't remember that much of it. There's a couple of nobodies in that side, to be honest. There was a scrum half who was banging kicks over from halfway called Ben Young's um, yeah. centre called Manu to Alangi yeah. or something. I don't know. I think Manu was like still. How many played had he? No, but somehow he was even like bigger as a yeah. as an eighteen year old than he was when he became like fully pro. He was enormous. Like I say Lenny was taking kicks, which he obviously doesn't normally do. Um, like in the pack, I think we had Craig Hammond from Nottingham came over, and then yeah. we ended up going on after about twenty minutes because I think Deeks got a concussion. So it was just a bit of a real mixed bag. Um, I don't think we trained that much in the week. You know, major major was that fly half, I think. Yeah, major at fly half. So I think it was one of them where we just sort of like got together, maybe had one train session or a bit of a team run, then then we played. So yeah, we just sort of threw together and sort of went as we went along, really. Do you know what I mean? Sort of made up as we went along. Like it wasn't really <laughs> it looked pretty yeah. good. Amaracino and his wobbly head scoring. I remember yeah, that. Like Nod away. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the, the reason the atmosphere was probably so good that, that last ten minutes, you sort of you were you still on for the for the full game? Were you at the yeah, big yeah, full so, game? Yeah. So, so that last ten, when you're on your own line defending, it, in a weird way, is that like one of your your favourite parts of playing the game? Because you you, you forget everything else apart from just yeah. like getting up and hitting, and you've got the crowd who you yeah. feel that. Um, what was that? Must be an amazing feeling. Yeah, like you say, when you're in that situation, like. The last 10 minutes, you know, I think we're up. You just think, right, if I don't work hard to get up, they might score. I might be the person to kind of slack off and they might go through the hole that I should be in. So you just kind of, you're absolutely knackered. You're, you're tired, your body's hurting, but just like, right, I have to get up. I have to look for work. I have to kind of throw my head into a tackle or into a breakdown or whatever it is. Like, you just kind of in the mindset of, I just got to do whatever I need to do. Do you know what I mean? And to, to win the game because, when the whistle went, it was surreal. Like we thought, nah, how, how have we done that? Like we just—I think boys just couldn't believe it. Do you know what I mean? It was one of them, and and it was all worth it. You know, all the all the kind of bad stuff that you have to do throughout the game, you forget about all of it as soon as that whistle goes. Like you just your body feels fantastic. You for, forgot about all the mistakes, all the tackles you had to make, and you just you're there, and the atmosphere is bouncing. And yeah, it was. It was an unbelievable night. Like, and obviously people still talk about it even to this day. So uh even when people talk to me now about Tigers, that's one of the first things they talk about is the South Africa game. So I think it's one of them which is going to be there for forever, isn't it? And it was just incredible to be a part of it. Would you say that is your favourite Tigers moments across the two stints? Or I guess the final uh, last season's got to be up there as well. I mean I mean do we dare put you on the spot and, and make you choose between 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 the two? 
I think, yeah, like going into last season, the South Africa game was probably the one that really just stuck out. Um, just as a, a one-off, do you know what I mean? But obviously last season was like the whole package, like the whole thing was just, you know, you, you, yeah, you never really thought about it until you got to semi-finals, Northampton, and then you're like, right, you know, we, we can't lose now. You can't, we've been top all season, you can't lose a home semi to Northampton. So there was, I think there was quite a lot of pressure in that game for us. Um, and then we won that. And then obviously it was, right, we got Saracens at Twickenham. Saracens who had been there, done it many times before. Um, but I don't know, it was just a feeling that when we when I stepped off the uh, team bus, it just seemed that everything was Tigers. Everyone was, was shouting Tigers and it just seemed that everyone was there supporting us. And then... Um, Obviously, the game was was pretty pretty tight. I ended up coming off at about sixty five, and then I think Sarri's got a pen. They drew it that we were drawing level, and then obviously Freddie dropped a goal, so I was off supporting at that point. But it was just, yeah, it was unbelievable. Again, another one of those sort of surreal moments where you just think, "How the hell have we done that?" Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, it was it was brilliant. You know, like the South Africa moment, South Africa and that. The two moments are just both unbelievable things that I think I'll remember for the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? Not not a bad two moments, to be fair. Yeah. You know, it's sort of... My career certainly hasn't been all sort of upward. Do you know what I mean? It's been a lot of knockbacks and kind of... I've had to move to Leeds, up to Newcastle, come back. And obviously, I would love to have stayed at Leicester my whole career and, and all the rest of it, but it's just the way it is and it sort of makes it all worthwhile. Do you know what I mean? Um, and when you have them good moments, you kind of forget about all the bad stuff and all the, like I said before, all the knockbacks and injuries and whatnot. So I think, I suppose that's what sport's about, isn't it? Um, it's sort of, yeah, it is, uh, is a great thing and hopefully we can do it again this season. Cause I think that's, a, as soon as you do it once, you kind of think, all summer, I was just like, "Oh, how good it would be to do it again." You know, that's that was like my mindset. Not, not sort of, "Oh, yeah, how good was that?" It was, yeah, it was. But I want to do it again. I want to have that experience again, like at least one one more time in my career. So, hopefully, we can uh, we can do it. Last question from for me, um, and I don't know if Mike's got any more after that. But obviously, um, Sir Kev, as he's uh, unofficially yeah. called, coming off the back of his awesome achievements last week. How has the reaction been with him this morning um, in camp? Has anyone jokingly gone up to him and said, right, Kev looking a bit tired this morning? Just something, just something like that. I mean, He was leading the team run like straight up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kev's presumably running laps of the field this morning just to get himself warmed up and you're all sitting there looking a bit guilty going, what the fuck are we doing indoors? <laughs> nah, he's, he's a legend, isn't he? Like, he's just... Superhuman. Oh, he's, yeah, he's brilliant. Like, he's obviously just... What he's done, obviously, for it is... Um, is unbelievable, remarkable, and you know, we're just we're just proud of him. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's just a real good guy. Like he really is. Like when you meet him, and he's got time for everyone. He's he's just real down to earth. Even though all the things that he's obviously achieved in rugby league, he's done it all. And you know, he could be one of these like real kind of arrogant person like people, but he's not at all. He's just talks to everyone, um, gives give everyone his time and. As you've seen, he's just willing to do whatever he, 
he can for his mates. So um, that's what he's kind of tried. That's what he's brought to us. Like when you're out there on the pitch, you help each other out. You know, no matter who you are, where you come from, when you're out there on the pitch representing Tigers, we're all in it together and we're all helping each other out. So, and obviously when you see things that he's done, that just inspires people. So, uh, yeah, just like really proud of him and he's just a brilliant bloke, isn't he? Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wouldn't like to stand too close to him, to be honest. It's sort of you kind of I, I like to admire him from afar. I could get too close to him, sort of, but I feel slightly overshadowed. Be, yeah, unbelievable achievement. Did you see? Yeah, have you given him any tip about getting caught going for a whiz live on telly? Yeah, we actually. Yeah, the they played it in the meeting today. <laughs> yeah, they kind of said, "Oh, you, uh, you know, like there's a short thing of him," and they said, "Brilliant, like well done, care, round of applause, the rest of it." And then um, they showed the. Uh, the thing where it was on, I think it was on BBC, like one of the morning programmes. Yeah. They just played it and then you see him running and then he just kind of steers off to the left and he's, yeah, he's gone to the toilet. So that's uh, yeah, all good fun. And when you do something like that, you can obviously take the piss out of yourself, can't you? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we, we were saying earlier on the pod that somebody had commented on it. So, oh, excuse me, public urination. Imagine being that guy. Imagine yeah. being that guy. You just raised like nearly two million in the yeah. other. Ridiculous. Like, anyway, mate. Once in my eyes, like. <laughs> Callum, mate, thank you so much for spending no, good, uh, some time you. with us. Really, really enjoyed it. And uh, best of luck on uh, Saturday for the rest of the season. Thank you, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Elliot, let's go and have a look at the Homegrown Heroes team, how it's shaping up. We did the vote for the 13 shirt, and it was pretty close. I think the guy who we thought was going to win did win. Shouldn't have won. Should have been the guy that came second. But it was a very evenly spread um, score in the end. I mean, it was it was a comfortable win, but there was a lot of love for the candidates, wasn't there? Why don't you just run us through who there was for that 13 shirt and, and how the results panned out? Yeah, you you may have guided a little bit. <laughs> you may have guided. Yeah, the the, the mask of uh, impartiality may have slipped on one of the retweets. It didn't make a difference. <laughs> In the four time, I think this is the fourth, third team we've done. We've always remained impartial. However, on this one, you had to you had to get involved just to try and uh, steer it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was a vote for the 13 shot. There may have been a retweet saying, just a reminder, this vote's off. Obviously, vote for who you want, cough, Ollie Smith. <coughs> well, that's, that leads us to the, the first options. First one was Ollie Smith. Second was Manu Tuolagi. Third was Dan Hipkiss. And the fourth was Leon Lloyd. Four, Those are the options, not the order. Yeah, absolutely. Four options to choose from. As you can all agree, that's four high-quality candidates. Again, just shows you how blessed we are in we have been over the years as, as Tigers fans. Um, so the winner was Manu Tuolagi with 41%. Uh, and thank you very much to the four, 349 people who voted. It was always appreciated to, to take your time to get involved in it. Manu got 41% of the vote. Second was Ollie Smith, uh, the people's champion, uh, as Amen. we all like to call it, uh, 31%. So it's only a 10% margin of victory. Dan Hitkiss, a fine player in his own right, came in third with 19%. And as always, sometimes with these votes, it, it, a legend has to take a uh, an unfair share of the vote. And in this one, it proved with Leon Lloyd only getting 9%. Yeah, yeah but it terrific. sort of ended up coming out 40, 30, 20, 10, the way it was spread. And, you know, I think you also have to take into account the fact that there is always, it's always easy to remember the achievements of someone more recently, isn't it? Than, yeah, and uh, it's been fair too, years Matt. ago. So, and, and look, let's be honest, Manu, 
physically when he was on point was an absolute force of nature. You know, you can say whether or not he was a traditional outside centre like Ollie Smith with the outside break. But I mean, if we're picking prime, because to be fair with Ollie Smith, he, he fell off quite badly after his, I think his father passed away and had a bad effect on how he played, unfortunately. But that 0-4-0-5 season was what obviously we base it on. But if we're doing that for him, we should probably do the same for Manu. And what would we say? Maybe 2011, 2012 or his breakthrough season when he was before the injuries really started to bite? Yeah, I think up until sort of 2013, 2014, it really yeah. was just prime beef Manu of just a joy to watch. Player. Yeah, and you, you, were, you were looking at a potential Hall of Famer 100 cats for England. Yeah. just The, the next Marnonu, a lot of us had him pegged as. And I still think that he has... And Brian O'Driscoll is always very keen to point this out because he obviously played with him which we, um, on the 2013 Lions tour to Australia, which many of us thought, well, that's the dream combination, wasn't it? It was, uh, I think in 09, it was Roberts and O'Driscoll. People thought, oh my gosh, Manu at 12 and uh, O'Driscoll at 13. And they, had, they did it once and they, they made some... Sweet, sweet rugby love against, I think it was Western Force or something like that. And Manu was offloading to him. And there you hear Brian O'Driscoll talk about him. He says he's so underrated for his wider skill set in terms of his offload, his ability to time a pass. Um, he's even seen him do some nice kicks in training and stuff. And we've never seen it because he's never used like that. But um, I think just a, an all round phenomenal physical specimen and a great player in his pomp. My vote very much would have still gone to Ollie Smith, but a worthy champion in, I think, in Manu. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, Manu's pace is still there. And it's a shame that people still, even now, I saw tweets today saying, just use him as a battering round centre. He's, he's much more than that. He's got an all round skill he's, set. I think he's lost too much size, actually, for it, to be quite yeah, fair. I, I think he's had to lose size to try and keep, keep himself fit. fit. And he's still superbly powerful. But he is not someone now who you're just going to bowl into. And also, defences have got better. He's now not a physical freak to the extent he was when he burst onto the scene. There are other guys who are just as big. I mean, Dialende in his own way, for example, next week, the player in South Africa, is is an unbelievable physical specimen. Um, but Manu still packs that unique power. Uh, it's just, you've got to use him in the right way. Smith obviously put him through a lovely gap, lovely delay on a pass, but a lovely line by Manu. He's still got that lovely power and acceleration to get past sort of an arm tackle, hasn't he? That, to me, is the perfect epitome of what Manu's actually all about. Instead of the, the power just to run into traffic, actually, if you put him on a on a gap or a half gap, he's got the pace and natural power to, yeah. to get himself through and cause some damage. So, put, put, him, put him against arms, not shoulders. Quite. And Manu's selection um, in the team means you have a midfield of George Ford at 10, Anthony Allen at 12, and Manu Tuolagi at 13. So it's which, a familiar centre partnership, isn't it? It is. It is a very nice uh, one. And if you compare that to the midfield um, of the import 15, which is Joel, Strans- Joel Stransky at 10, Pat Howard at 12, and Sarah Rambini at 13. It makes oh for quite... Rambini against Manu in the 13 channel. Oh, my gosh. Well, is that what happens when the Hadron Collider goes wrong? It's just Manu and Sarah Rambini running into each other in their prime, and then the black hole opens up and we're all vaporised immediately. Absolutely. Or space is created for an um, opportunistic winger to uh, to take uh, oh I knew you'd know this up on rugby terms straight away yeah exactly and you're going to that's a very nice segue as well into perhaps a, a winger who's looping around behind Manu on the W run absolutely and, and we bring in our um, number eleven vote who, yeah we, we're now um, into the outside backs yeah exactly the speedsters and some serious speedsters for this once again I'm going to thank SPK on Twitter who I shamelessly 
uh, message and asked for a cop- uh, screenshot of his table. Notice he's still not emailed us a copy of the table. I think he's very precious about it. Quite right, so it's actually a work of art. He probably doesn't want me defiling it, but he sent me screenshots instead. And I think we probably need to caveat a couple of things. Leon Lloyd played plenty of times on the left wing, but he played more on the right wing. And given he was also in the outside centre vote, we're going to count him as a right winger for the purposes of this. Yeah, absolutely. And it was quite a um yeah, there's a there's a there's a certain um difference. He played more times at 14. Yeah, it's like two thirds of the time he played on the right wing, uh, one third of the time. And obviously if you think of his iconic performances against Stade Francais, for example, that was uh, all done on the right wing uh, in that famous corner. So um I suppose, well, we'll come to the other, I suppose, more controversial options as well later. But there are two pretty quick guys who are towards the top of the list. Tom Vandell, Johnny May, and then we move into perhaps uh, uh, slightly more controversial territory, Austin Healy, because he played more on the left wing than he did on the right for Tigers. Obviously, he still played scrum half and fly half. I've got a horrible feeling he's going to be a victim again of his own versatility here. Uh and the other one Elliot and I have just debated was Rory Underwood. Now, Rory Underwood is a bona fide Leicester Tigers legend. Late 80s, early 90s, he walks into the side, but this is pro-era only. We decided to include him because we made a rod for our own backs when we included Dino. We said, look, if, if they started against Breve in the 97 final, that's good enough for us to be selected. And, and Rory did. Uh, he was actually replaced by Leon Lloyd in that final. Uh, his hamstrings were going by then. For me, it's not prime Rory, but I think under our own rule, we probably have to include him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he did make, he did appear quite often in the, the um, pro era. He made that appearance in the final. Yeah, two seasons, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, as I say, he it, by its very nature of that, he qualifies. As you've just said, we feel there are other candidates we should be looking at. So let's start with one of those, Tom Vandell. For me, when I was growing up and getting into rugby and getting into Tigers, I wanted to be Tom Varndale. My game was very much similar to that of pace. I can't believe you've just compared yourself to one of the quickest rugby players this club has ever seen. It's ball- ballsy. I admire it. Hey, it was my name that went on the uh, the school wall for the uh, 100 and 200 metre record. Did it so, really? Uh, yeah. Very yeah, I was good, quick. mate. I was quick. I was quick. Um, and oh, I like... We're going to get so pissed one night and have to do a race. Oh, no. Why would I do that? Why would I? Why would I attempt to race you when you're clearly lightning? Let's 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 have a, a bench press contest instead. Well, uh, let's do an eating contest. That gives me half a shot. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 I think yeah, we're both we've both got a decent shot at that. Very good. Anyway, Tom Vardell, unbelievably quick player. And I remember some of the tries he scored where he had no rights to score some of the scores he did, but that pace just got him through, and it was lightning quick. I think he did 11, 100 meters and eleven seconds in socks. Which probably tells you how quick he uh, he the, is. The joke was running. He said, "I." Oh, somebody said, oh, "I ran 100 meters, uh, you know, in less than 10.8 in yeah. socks on grass," and was very quick. Saying he wasn't just wearing his socks; he was wearing <laughs> other clothes. In time. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. it, it, impressive either way. But I, it, it, I mean, that is like I wish we'd have you know done it properly with spikes on track. Can I tell you which game I remember. I don't know if you remember it. That was Tom Vondel at his absolute best. Go for it. Welford Road against Wasps, and he was against Tom Evans. Uh, the guy ended up playing for Scotland, who was also one of the quickest guys in the Premiership. And he turned him, he absolutely obliterated him, just murdered him on the outside every time uh, and scored a hat-trick that day. And it was one of the most astonishing and complete attacking wing performances I've ever seen in my life. I remember the start of the 2005-2006 season, we played Saints at home and we nilled them. And I'm pretty sure in that game, if my unless my memory's 
playing tricks on me. He had a, a, a similar sort of thing where he just completely done his opposite number um, using his pace and just bet, had them all ends up uh, terrifically quick. Unfortunately for Tommy, he wasn't interested in, in, in defence. No, it, it was infuriating. He was genuinely infuriating. I mean, it, but he was that good in attack that you would still have him in there because he was such such a good player. He had this thing where I always felt you had to get him really wound up. I've, because he was a big boy. He was six mm. foot three or whatever he was. And he, he wasn't skinny. He was, he was muscly. He was he was powerful. And I just wish that he could... He, there was a way that we could have got him wound up all the time. I think I saw it. It might be in that game against Wasps. He was really on it and he was really aggressive. And he was sticking his head into places where I wouldn't personally have done it. And he was, he was hitting people really hard and trying to pick up the leg. And you could see he was up for it. And there were other times when he makes a tackle and his head is as far back from the contact as he can possibly get, which, you, you you know, the thing when you perhaps playing mini rugby or whatever it was, and there was always the kid that didn't really want to be there and his head's miles away from the contact. I think probably me a few times, actually, to be honest with you, it was a rainy day. But it, it, it was just infuriating. We just couldn't quite get that bit right because he would have been the complete player. Yeah, absolutely. And what is not in doubt with Tom is just his just try-scoring ability. I mean, 65 tries according to Wikipedia from 113 um, appearances. That tells its own story of just how prolific. And that, um, that would include, I think, a couple of lean spells when his confidence was down. And I remember, I think it was the 07-08 season or, or 8 09 season when he had got off the boil and, and he hadn't really scored. I think he only scored on the last day of the season and, and he got mobbed by his teammates because of it. And actually, if you took the whole, you know, his whole, in his prime, in his pomp, like you said, that 05 06, I mean, hell of a player. It is a shame that he he moved on, but he did go to to Wasp, which is is a crying shame. He's one of those players we think it'd be nicer to have kept him with us, just because of his that that talent he had. But he continued his form with Wasps. I think seventy four uh, tries over there. So between the, those two clubs, the famous old clubs, he, he's a terrific player. Let's talk about speed. So let's move on to a another mm. only with us for three seasons. However, in a disappointing time for Tigers, was one of the very few that stood out um, on the field. And that's Johnny May. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. When I was thinking of left-wingers, I completely forgot about him. And he was here for three seasons. And I, I, when SPK sent me the table, I was like, oh, fuck's sake, of course, Johnny May. And that's not because he wasn't good. He was brilliant in that time. I think it's because, for me, with Johnny May, we always think that it wasn't the right deal to make losing Ed Slater. We needed a guy like Ed Slater. We didn't necessarily need a guy like Johnny May, but I mean, that is no slight on him because he was unbelievable for us. Whenever we gave him an opportunity, um, he was absolutely sublime. And you talk about finishes that he has no right to make. I think there was one against Northampton. <laughs> He's touched the ball down, sort of flying through the air with his fingertips uh, as it was about to roll dead. The Northampton bloke had given up on it, thinking, I think it was Tuala was just letting it roll dead. So there's no danger of that getting touched. It's a superhuman stuff sometimes. Ran like a headless chicken when he was at his best. Didn't know where he was going. Nobody did. Uh, but what a wonderful player and uh, a good bloke as well, by all accounts. Yeah, absolutely. It, it It's one of those where I, it makes you wonder how prolific he would have been in a, in a, in a team that was at the top. Because he came from a Gloucester team that was scratching around sort of mid-table. He came to us that started off being scratchy in mid-table, then collapsed on its ass <laughs> and in that time at Tigers he still scored 30 tries according That's to Wikipedia so incredible caveat that but if Wikipedia is right 
30 tries in three seasons in a Tigers team that more often than not in those three years with, with Pony, that's an incredible scoring rate. We talk about um, the Newcastle game, the pivotal one where Guy Thompson, who we had on the podcast earlier this year, was he was um, obviously Guy Thompson, that was his game. But Johnny May had a massive part to play in that as well. He scored the try, again, finishing when you didn't think he had a right to finish. And he was just a, a sublime player. And the way he developed whilst he was at Tigers, actually, is something I think we can probably be proud of despite the way the team was performing. He came as a bit of a, again, a bit of a rough diamond. By the end, he was such a he's such a safe pair of hands now under the high ball. He's one of the best, I would say, defensive aerial wingers um, in the world, actually, at what he did uh, and what he does. And actually, his ability to just chase repeatedly and chase kicks, very boring, but he'd probably excel now under Steve Borthwick in the way that we're playing. And uh, I think he's a phenomenal player. And they say, we got the best out of him in the circumstances. We could have got even more. Yeah, absolutely. And just a, a final point to add to uh, the, the, the virtues of Johnny May, as has been seen over the last couple of weeks, an excellent moustache. So Yes, uh, it, it's very much a sort of a Second World War officer vibe I'm getting from him. Yeah, it, very much RAF. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, quite right, quite right. Um, let's move on to Rory. Well, we've already touched on it. Um, probably if this was an all-time vote, he wins. Uh, if you sometimes you forget how good Rory Underwood was. He doesn't get mentioned in the pantheon of all-time great international wingers, but if you just Google his highlights, it's absolutely insane. Acceleration, power, speed, wonderful player, and obviously such a good servant for Tigers. Our view is is that you know post ninety five, he, he was very much on the wind down at that point. Um, after after the World Cup was ninety six, sorry, so he had a couple of pro seasons, but he was on the wind down, and then uh, we move on to Oz. Um, who I quite like the idea in this fantasy team of having Oz there as sort of your, you know, once, so you've almost got another scrum half there to pick up another playmaker to come in off the wing and stuff. I think it's quite nice, that idea. But I, again, he was a, a part-time winger, but always did a hell of a job. He had some of the best acceleration um, in the league. And he was a um, a terrific try scorer as well. He, he was cap- more than capable of finishing with the opportunities um, that were created for him. I seem to recall under John Wells um, as head coach, he, he moved out to the um, to the wing and it allowed Harry Ellis and Andy Goo to have a 9-10 mm. combination. So Ozzy's versatility allowed him to be an unbelievably good team man and his talent allowed him to keep a spot in the team. You know, he played, he he just... played international rugby for England on the wing. Plenty of yeah. caps. They're probably about well, at least about 20, 10, 20 of his caps then came on the wing. So, you know, he's, he's very much a worthwhile selection there. Um, who are you going for out of those four? Oh, by the way, just as well, we mentioned Neil Lloyd. Adam Thompson, also right winger. He's going in the next vote. Yes, that margin between right and left is quite considerable. So it's quite an easy one for, for us to, to caveat that one. For me, of those four, it's between Farndell and Johnny May, and I would go Farndell. <sighs> I am so close between the two. I, I really want to shoehorn Oz in. I really yeah. do. But I, I I might have to just have him on the bench, which breaks my heart. Just to mix it up, I'm going to go Johnny May, but I'd be very happy to see Tom Rondell win as well. <laughs> just just for sheer batshit X factor on the wing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, no, it's... It... Defence Schmiffence is my motto, or will will be the team's motto once it's all put together. 
And to be fair, Johnny Ray, if he does get selected, wasn't uh, um, was quite brave in his defence. Oh yeah, sorry, I was talking purely about Tom Bardell. Oh yeah, on that one, yeah, 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 absolutely. The defense, that, defense. Yeah, absolutely. So what we'll do, we'll, we'll get that uh, vote put up uh, during the week. Um, launch over your suggestions for fourteen, just to see if we've uh, we've missed anyone, and uh, yeah, we'll get that sorted as well. Elliot, I have some severe and stunning news for you. Hit me. There is a Premiership rugby match at Masioli Woods Welford Road on Sunday. That's unbelievable. That's Whoa. unbelievable. I know. I mean, when was the last time we had one of those? I mean, a Premiership game is rare enough. A Premiership game at Leicester, even rarer. I just feel overwhelmed. What's going on? They're like the old woman in Titanic. It's been 87 years. Um, it it feels like a very long time since we last played there, and obviously it wasn't a particularly happy memory when we last played a home game uh, in the Premiership, and it was against Sale, I think, wasn't it? That debacle. Yeah, I mean, it's been I think it's three weeks since we actually played um, at home anyway against the Italians, and yeah. then it's um, I mean, this is how mad it is. Eighth of October was the last league um, game at Matoli Woods Wilford Road, which is so long ago. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely mad. Um, you reckon Hanro uh, gets lost going from the changing rooms to the pitch. You reckon yeah, yeah. Which way is it? Yeah, I remember this old place. Um, what are your thoughts for this? London Irish, obviously a very dangerous side, but if I'm being completely honest, not living up to perhaps where we thought they might be. I think people, a lot of people are those dark horses for the playoffs, given their progression last year. Um, but what we're seeing this year is, um, yes, they're still scoring some fantastic tries uh, in attack and they're scoring lots of points but the defence is pretty shite yeah I mean Irish over the last two or three years have sort of settled into a, a being a team of just completely unpredictable you can never really work out what sort of team they are they, they play a lot of rugby that's uh, really good to watch there's so much excitement in the outside backs but they also seem to lose games with, from points of victory so and they, it, their league uh, positions over the last two or three seasons, they always get to two thirds of the season, and everyone goes, "Oh, they could be, they could, they could make a tilt for it," and then they sort of drop off, have a sort of a, a weekend to season, and finish nowhere uh, really. And at the moment, they're currently bottom, which which is, you know, that tells a story of them. I don't, I don't, looking ahead to the future from a Tigers perspective, I'm l- reluctant to go down the route of calling it a must-win game, but I have a sneaky suspicion we're in that sort of territory here where. We really have probably got to win, and it really probably does have to be a five pointer as well. Because you know, otherwise, if you don't if you don't win and you lose, it suddenly becomes three wins from eight, which it which gives us you know that, that's a pretty sticky position to be in. It gives us an uphill challenge to to uh, to to do what we want to do this year. So no, I think it's um it's a good chance for us to get back onto it, but it's, it's got to be a team that's got to be respected. Yeah, absolutely. But I I would agree with you. I, and. Must win is a strong word, but I think what we need now is the, the We're season. flirting with the word, I think. Possibly. I, I think for me, the big thing is is that the season has been so stop-start and so inconsistent in terms of player availability. And I know that we're still missing players, England players, for this one. But um, the fixture list does now start to settle down a bit. We do now get some regularity. We can start to build some momentum. So I think we almost need to say, right, this is the launch pad, this game. It's the launch pad now into the rest of our season. 
and and therefore you've got to set a standard early doors that you're going to meet for the rest of the rest of the games going forward. So I'm I'm interested to see how we approach it. I think that we're going to go ultra physical and try bully them because they do deserve respect despite their appalling starts the season. They have slowly started to kind of get within some decent results. I think they only lost by five points to Exeter a couple of weeks ago um, away from home. Next, are obviously doing all right. Lost by a couple of points um, away at Harlequins and they lost by only one point at home to Gloucester. So those are two very good teams who they've been within one or two points of. So they're clearly not miles away. But they are still a side that I think on paper we should beat. Um, do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at to where uh, Irish can, can beat you, it's very much their backs are the ones that draw your notice. That, you know, Loder, Hassel, Collins, Arundel. I know we appreciate Arundel's injured, but, you know, those three are the sort of names that you associate with uh, with Irish. And that's the, the, the danger that they that they pose is they play that brand of rugby, that style of rugby that's so open, attacking and trying to get the ball out wide very, very quickly. And they, that's where they can hurt you. Conversely, that's the opportunity of, of of where you can hurt them. You know, their pack is okay, but it's not one that um, you look at and get fearful of. It's one where if you if Tigers go through their processes and each person in the forward pack does their job as it should do, you would expect, you know, 99% of the time, Tigers to overpower um, Irish and that, that to be the feature of how the game is won. You know, you look, at, look back to last year, away against Irish in the first game down in October, you know, it was pretty pretty stodgy stuff for 60 minutes. The last 20 minutes, we emptied our bed, bench, we changed our tactics a little bit and we used that physicality in our carrying and our overall dominance up front to start generating penalties that got us territory. We won some more penalties and we started kicking kicking penalty goals and that's eventually what clawed us back into the game and over the line. If you look in the home game, it was the platform that the forwards gave us that allowed that Demani to have an absolute stormer last time. He scored two tries um, of his own, was just blistering um, form. So, you know, again, that's where, you know, the forwards did the job in the second game. They, like I say, gave us a platform, they bullied um, the opposition that got got us into the game and, and, and allowed us to, you know, to get over the line and to reach our back. So that that is the blueprint of how we've got to go about this game. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I think that we should get the up hand in the scrum, but I don't think their their front row is too bad. I think you've got like guys like Creevy, obviously I think will be back, um, Hoskins and Goodrick Clark. Uh, I think obviously uh, Gigenja, I can never pronounce his name, but other way, obviously X Tiger sounds scrummager as well. So it, it's not necessarily in that platform, I think, that we'll get dominance. But if I look at the back five of the scrum, I think that we can beat them for physicality and nastiness and try and hopefully beat them and maul them off the park a little bit as well. That should be our aim, I think. Uh, but certainly they've got lots of danger players in the backs. If I look across, there's obviously the usual guys like Loder and Hassel Collins. I think Arundel is still injured. Uh, obviously, he's not played a part for England and he was expected to. The guy who has gone under the radar but is is seriously impressive is uh, Jensen van Rensburg, who shares a barber with Harry Wells, I'm fairly sure. Uh, but he is a fantastic, versatile all-run player, sort of deceptively quick and strong. Um, and he's part of that very, very dangerous backline sense partnership with Will Joseph if he's fit as well. So, like you say, shutting them down is going to be very, very um, key to our chances. What Who stands out for you from a London Irish perspective as being one to watch? For me, obviously, the fact we're linked with him as well is Hassel Collins, mainly just to see how he how he goes. And I, I think, you know, as we've, we said a couple of weeks ago, we think 
that's a likely signing on a, our behalf. Um, and certainly that's what the, the, the rumour mill is, is pointing towards. So, you know, I think, one, if he does, if he is on his way, I think it's a good early audition for us or an early chance for us to have a look at it. And secondly, I think his, his the skill sets that he brings makes him a danger. And, it, you know, it, it makes him stand out as someone to watch. He is such a key player for them. And on his day, he is electric to watch. And if you're just half a percentage out in your in your defensive work, he's that sort of player who's got the talent and the ability to exploit it. So, you know, in our defensive operation, we've got to be really on our metal to um, to stop it. But for me, it's Hassel Collins to look out for. And uh, obviously, if the rumours are to be true, then hopefully it's, yeah, as you say, it's a bit of a sneak preview as to what we might be looking forward to next season. Um, obviously, it'll still to be confirmed. But, I mean, he is a guy who... It would appear physically to have the whole skill set there. And he's already shown that in his very young career. I think he's only 22, 23. So fantastic age profile to add to the team as well for next season, if that it does end up going ahead. Let's turn our attention to the Tigers' side. And obviously, this is a chance as well. That hopefully, there'll be a lot of anger bubbling under the surface after what happened at the wreck. <sighs> I just had a flashback. Um, and... What sort of side are you going with? I think Big News England sort of narrowed down squad has just been announced and Joe Hayes is back with us, which I think is very important. I think we've established that our depth at tight head probably doesn't extend particularly well beyond our two frontline players. So um, with that in mind, what sort of side are you going to be putting out? Yeah, I think we're also blessed with the return of Montoya and Visa. Both of us, I think, are on the, of the opinion that we would give um, those boys four or five weeks off and let them rest and recuperate before we yeah. see them back in a Tiger shirt. We, we, our sort of thought process was find them a ticket to a beach somewhere and just uh, tell them to let, be easy on the mojitos, but enjoy enjoy uh, not but running bear around. Bear in mind, that, that would mean that they missed their first round of European fixtures. It would, but at the same point, I think, you know, I think you, there's, there's cover there um, for us. And I think we're at home to Claremont, away at Ospreys. I think the squad is adequate enough to, to be able to to do that. So for me, those two boys would have four or five weeks off. I'd rather have them fit and firing from um, end of December onwards. So with that in mind, I think you're looking at a, a pretty similar lineup um, to what played against Bath, dependent on who's fit and, and so on and so forth. So for me, it's Cronin, Claire and Coley in the front row. I wouldn't have an issue if Hazy started, as we said before, it's a job share sort of situation. Wells and uh, Green again in the second row. Martin, Hanrow, Cracknell, back row. As you were then uh, from before. Obviously, Tommy should be back as well, but we think he might have a rib complaint, so it depends whether or not he's fit. But obviously, he might come into the mix as well if you're trying to counter fastball for Irish. Yeah, to be fair, I think I'd probably go with the same, thinking about it out loud. I think the 15 from, from Bath starts again. You know, it, that it, was, first... it was more than good enough to get a result. I mean, the issues of the Bath game went beyond that starting 15. So, you know, that starting 15 did enough damage to, to, to win two games, let alone one. We just did, got, didn't take our chances. So I'd do the same 15 and I'd benefit if we get a couple of those returning guys back in terms of Hazy, Tommy, to sort of fill the bench a little bit and 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 do it that way. Cam Henderson put his hand up from the Saris game. So I think he'd have a fair shot from for a bench um, slot. So, Johnson yeah, I, well. I wouldn't... Yeah, I wouldn't have too much of a, um, an issue. I'd be looking at those sort of guys. I mentioned, got to use them. You know, that's yeah. 
Exactly. I agree. I think that we, you know, if they're on the bench, we need to assume that they're ready for premiership action and we need to use them accordingly. Um, I'd be very much of the same view. Let's get the same side that played against Bath out again. Let them have a chance to go and uh, take out some of their frustration against London Irish. And let's see where it takes them. But again, let's use the bench. I want to see the likes of Atkinson. I want to see the likes of Thogg and the Singer getting a good run and being able to make a difference on the game. Um, where are you going to with the score? I think Tigers will win. And I think it would be a good Tigers win. I think the, the reaction and the pain that they've they've got from the uh, from the Bath game, I think there's a lot of frustration. I think it would be a, the first half, if they use the crowd with them, it, it could really... It could come out firing, and they could blow um, Irish away if they use it. If they take their chances, they could they could really win the game in the first forty. I think it would be a strong Tigers win. I think by 14, 15 points, I think it could be that type of. I think it's quite a punchy score. Ooh, very punchy. Well, I was going to say Tigers by sixteen. Arrogant Tigers fans here predicting a comfortable Tigers win. Hope we don't have egg on our face, but I'm confident that we won't. I think the boys will bring it to them, and I think we'll get a good win. Come on, the boys. death the latest episode of the rolling ball thank you very much everyone for listening please do leave a rating and a review if you can on spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you can uh it really means a lot to us and as we mentioned earlier make sure that you send your voice notes and comments or if you just want to send us a, some verbal abuse even that's welcomed as well send it to us at the rolling mall at outlook.com uh via a voice note uh and we can obviously have a look at trying to get uh, some of them onto the podcast for next week other than that Hope you have a lovely week and we'll catch up next time.